The vaccines are here, your stimulus cash isn't, and suddenly the Steelers aren't that good on a brand new air attack starting right now. And we're back after a week off. That was actually planned for those of you who asked. Uh, that was actually a planned week off. Odd time for it. That's just how life works out sometimes. But that was actually something that was by design. So uh, we're back this week. There was a snowstorm, the first one of the year in New York City. Um, one of the nor'easters that the northeast is famous for. A lot of wind, a lot of snow. Wasn't quite as bad as they said it would be in New York. That's usually how it works. They try to scare the shit out of you. Tell you, tell you there's going to be four or five feet of snow. You end up getting like a foot and a half or, so, you know, in, in certain parts. I think some places did get three feet, but those are like the, you know, sort of the likely suspects, you know, parts of upstate New York. If you go up to Buffalo and Rochester and those places, it starts snowing in October. They don't get out till basically May. That's just how it goes. But in New York City, they were bitching about the fact that outdoor dining got shut down. And you, you got to pick your battles with this stuff. I understand it's been a long eight, nine months. I understand you've been waiting on money that, that just hasn't come, which is, and I, I agree, it's bullshit. They shut you down. They don't help you out. There's a lot of politics involved. And they can say red tape and frustration and back and forth. It's, it's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit what's happened to restaurants and a lot of small businesses. It's bullshit what's happened to people who are out of work. And I get all that. But for you to complain that there's no outdoor dining during a snowstorm is fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry. I mean, my God, guys, you're not even supposed to be out in that stuff, much less sitting over, you know, a lasagna at some trotteria on the Upper West Side. It's just not supposed to be like that. OK, it's just not how it goes. Take a night off. They only did it for a day. And I get it. The mayor of New York City is a clown. Same thing with the governor. And every single day they're on TV trying to trying to draw attention to themselves and glorify themselves. You got a guy getting an Emmy and, and Cuomo. And I, I, I understand they're ruining the city. They're ruining the state. I understand all that. But you can't go and bitch and moan and have a they had a protest. I mean, they were marching in Times Square because there was no outdoor dining. How are waitresses supposed to get from the restaurant to your table in these little bubbles with all the plastic flapping around and stuff and there's ice on the side? That doesn't make any sense, guys. That's not doesn't make any sense. Take a day off. Just go home and pack up and just regroup. Okay? My goal in, in snowstorms is simple. Power. I want power. Not like, you know, political power or something crazy like that. I just want electricity. The heat, the hot water. I want to be able to take a shower, make the make food. Okay, cable TV, very important. The cable, in my case, the Fios. Very important. The Netflix, and that's fine. And I'll take three or four days off from society, and I'll be good. Okay? You don't even need to do that, but I will be fine. Okay? Don't worry about food. The, the, the bread and milk and eggs crowd is just something I don't understand. You people are not for me. I always have food. And I'm not trying to, I don't mean that in a braggadocious way, but how do you not have some pasta and some frozen sauce or some frozen meat or just something? Okay? My God. See these people in Trader Joe's, all these like lonely single women go there and they just buy a piece of salmon and some broccoli and that's their dinner. And they'll come back tomorrow for more food. No, why do you do that? Just go grocery shop. Have you not heard of the concept of grocery shopping? Do you like going to the store every day? It's goofy. No, everybody needs to get bread and milk and eggs and cheese and cold cuts and act like they're going to hunker down because, oh my God, I got to go to the store. What? You should be going to the store once or twice a week anyway and that's it. You should just have food. Crazy. Anyway, so we got a snowstorm. That, that, was, the big, that was the big exciting news in the week I wasn't here. That... And the vaccines. And we think. We think there's vaccines. I'm not sure. See, first we had we had a need for testing. Everyone, we need testing. Where's the testing? We got to have testing. Then we had plenty of testing. And then we had plenty of testing. You know what it was? Go get tested. You got to get tested. Have you gotten tested? Well, get tested if you have symptoms. Hey, actually, go get tested if you don't have symptoms. I'm curious, and we'll never know the real answer because they won't tell you anyway. How many people actually got COVID waiting in line to get a COVID test when they had no symptoms? 
because they keep telling you to get tested, get tested, get tested. You know what the great thing is about getting tested? You have to get tested to test positive. And if it's a false positive, don't worry. They'll just say it's a positive and they'll just put it with the numbers so that everything looks worse and worse than it really is. They can kick and scream at people they don't like and blame certain people while ignoring what other people have done. We've seen it now. We know the routine for seven, eight months. We, we get it. Okay, we're well-versed in how much bullshit is involved in all this stuff. So there's plenty of testing. Well, you know what now? The testing's not good enough. We need a vaccine. Well, now we have a vaccine. So you know what the big problem is? The rollout. The rollout's not happening fast enough. You need to roll out the vaccine. No matter what happens, there's just another problem with whatever's going on, no matter how good it is. And when you're giving people vaccines, we know there's going to be some side effects. There might be some problems here and there. That's just, that's just medicine. That's just science. That's just how it works, right? Well, they got people getting these vaccines on live TV and they make a big production out of it. And they got to tell you, you know, about the person's race and their gender and their color and everything else. It's, it's a whole big deal. You got to make everything about politics and, and yada, yada, yada. Well, they got a girl in Tennessee who's supposedly a nurse in the hospital. She gets it. She starts going on and on about how great she feels because that's important. Because why, why, why spend time giving the vaccine to more people when you can just listen to someone who just got it babble on about how great she feels and what a hero she is? But about 30, 40 seconds into her speech, she passes out. And then she says, don't worry, that happens to me all the time. Well, wait a minute. How are you a nurse on the front lines in a hospital with a fainting problem? Does that really make any sense whatsoever? I mean, I understand she's trying to be a team player here. I guess she, you know, she doesn't want to scare people. But are you going to tell me you have a fainting problem and you work in an ER or you work in an ICU? Does that really, does that really add up? I mean, come on now. Give me a break. And some people are getting this stuff on TV. This is happening all over the world where they are clearly not being injected with the vaccine. You got someone, I forget where it was, Australia, where the cap is still on. One, one guy's given the vaccine, and, the, and he, he obviously has an empty syringe. So I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's amazing how we've gone from we need testing to now we need a vaccine. And the vaccine comes out, and people bitch it's not happening fast enough. And then you, you see people getting it on live TV, and, it's, and, and it's, it's a comedy show. I'm sorry. I know it's important stuff. It's just pure comedy. And in New Jersey, there's a delay. Why is there a delay? Because the governor's office didn't file the paperwork quickly enough. I'm serious. That's actually what happened. There's paperwork you got to fill out. You turn it into the federal government. The government then gives you X amount of vaccines and you figure out how to get it around your state. The only problem is New Jersey can't figure out a way to get the paperwork done. Okay, that's what they're doing here. Don't worry, though. Maritime Park is still closed. That restaurant where the governor had a problem because the people that showed up to a party uh, were people he didn't like, that place is still shut down. He managed to take care of that. So when it comes to acting like a teenage girl, he's got that covered. Something minor like vaccines, ah, we'll get to it next week. So there's like a week or two delay if you live in New Jersey, and that goes for people in nursing homes, everything else. And that's already, I don't want to get into a whole thing about him because I bashed him enough, but that's been an issue as well. Same thing in New York where Cuomo took some heat because, and, and, he, and rightfully so, he hosted a virtual fundraiser, I think it was last week, for $1,000 a ticket. And this couldn't wait. A thousand. This is right up, right up before Christmas. You've got people who can't celebrate the holiday. You've got people who are hungry. They're waiting in line for food. You obviously have a major problem with unemployment, especially in his state. But that's, that's not going to stop Ben Stiller or Whoopi Goldberg or Rosie Perez or Robert De Niro from showing up so they can shake you down for a grand. And they make it clear that only you get to attend. So you pay a thousand bucks. You can't have your buddies over. I'm not sure why the hell you would, but you can't have your friends over there for the thousand bucks. It's only one per ticket. And I don't, I don't know how they enforce that. I mean, is there somebody there monitoring the situation where they got a camera on you? And the minute they see someone else, they just cut your feet? I mean, I don't, I, this, is, this is insane. You don't even get a meal. Think about it. They're not even going to feed you. There's not even an open bar. There's not a cocktail hour. There's not $1,000, $1,000 to listen to that guy. What does he need money for right now? Oh my, that couldn't wait till March or April? No, it's got to be right now.
because then you'll have another fundraiser in March or April. A thousand bucks. Virtual. Nothing. There's no there's no expense whatsoever other than him just hanging out. Ben Stiller's his buddy because Ben Stiller Ben Stiller made a movie or a I should say a uh, a limited series about those two guys that escaped from the prison in upstate New York. And when he was making it a couple of years ago, he wanted access to actual prisons in New York. I think he wanted the actual prison the guys broke out of. And so he ran into Cuomo at an event one day, and Cuomo says, oh, sounds like we'll do And so he let him. He let him shoot the thing in the jail. And that's fine. Okay, great. But <laughs> a week before Christmas, now you're expecting people to fork over money so they can sit in front of their computers, their smart TVs, and watch you guys babble on? I mean, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Now, as far as the stimulus goes, the whole thing's a joke. I mean, the, the entire process, I think we realize at this point, has been just a, an absolute farce. It has been a slap in the face to everybody who's been waiting and waiting for some help. And the way it basically plays out is they wasted all the time they possibly could, waited until the week before Christmas so that you would be as desperate as humanly possible to give most of you, and not even all of you, a hot $600. And a lot of you aren't going to see that. It's only $600 if you make little enough money. And, and as far as the unemployment element of this, and this should be the main thing. If you lost your job, or if your business is shut down, or if your work, you know, your hours or your revenue are decreased as an employee or a business owner, that should be the main focus here. And so what they did is they gave you 600 bucks a week, and that, you know, was back in March and it ended in, ended in July. Okay, fine. Some people did better than their jobs, and some people did worse. And I don't think people really understand that. I don't think that can be overstated. Some people owned lucrative businesses. Now, you can be jealous, you could be a hater, but they did. They owned restaurants. They own salons, gyms. You had, you had even plastic surgeons that were out of work because it's an elective procedure and they didn't want people going in and out for stuff like that. So they employ people. They've got nurses there. These people make good money. And then the people who work there make money and they have lives. And that, li that life is based on the income of that person, the type of apartment they have and the type of neighborhood they live in. Maybe they just bought a condo. Maybe they have a house. With that house comes a mortgage. These are commitments. The kind of car they drive. Got an auto loan. Maybe you have a lease. That's a commitment. That's something they're locked into. Maybe these people, even though they have a lot of money or, or more money than you or more money than, than people you know, maybe they've made pledges to charities. And then there's people relying on those charities for food or for clothing. Maybe these people have kids in private schools because they don't want them exposed to a 26-year-old third grade teacher who doesn't shave her legs and is going to teach a class about all 32 genders, okay? Maybe, maybe that's what they're committed to, and they're locked into those payments, and it affects their kids' education, and then they just lose their income. So just because they had good jobs doesn't mean they can withstand weeks or at this point months of not making money regardless of what they saved, which by the way is none of your business. I understand people should save money for a rainy day. This, this goes above and beyond all of that. Because not only are they not making money, but they owe money. They owe a bunch of money going back out. And this is obviously something that's kind of unparalleled. Unless they, you know, unless the person got hit by a truck or something like that crossing the street. They haven't experienced something like this before. It's crazy. So you get people who are just out of work. They're, they're, everything they've, they've, they've saved up for, everything they've, they've planned and, and committed to. And basically it's up in smoke and it's been in limbo, especially since these benefits ran out in late July. So yeah, did some people make out on that? $600 a week of unemployment? Yeah, sure. But a lot of people barely broke even or far worse, they couldn't keep up. And now they've had hardly anything coming in since the end of July. It's nuts. And guess which one bothered certain lawmakers more? Was it the people floundering to make their monthly payments? No, 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 no. Hungry kids? Nah, forget it. 
The families that don't get a Christmas. That'll get them, right, Christmas? Yeah, please. It's the people for whom $600 a week represented a pay increase. That's who bothered them. By the way, for the record, for the record, $600 a week is $31,200 per year, and the year is 2020. And the excuses you heard were, oh, small business owners can't find help. And by small businesses, what they really meant were Walmart and Amazon and McDonald's. And they could have figured out a way around all that. They just didn't want to. Because why do some actual work at the end of the summer, especially with an election coming up? And you maybe want something out of that election that you weren't getting in the last one, etc., etc. So finally, Trump announces at Bedminster, by the way, at his club, which I used to work at, for those of you that don't know, that he's taking action. And now the unemployment payment is 400 a week because the only way you'll appreciate the $600 you were getting is if you get less of it now. <laughs> but, but wait, there's a catch. It really only ends up being 300 unless the states are going to cough up 100 bucks themselves. And that only lasts six weeks. So now it's mid-September. And people are really starting to ask questions. They're running out of money. They can't get work. And by the way, don't say Uber or Lyft or DoorDash or, or any of that. What is it? Uh, Postmates. Those aren't jobs. Those are scams. It is no longer possible to make legitimate money doing that stuff. And you're going to destroy your car in the process if you're using a car for that job. I know some of you can use a bike, but that's its own form of hell. It just is what it is. That stuff is nonsense. And I don't want to go off on that stuff now. But of course, the longer and longer and longer this drags out, the more and more and more desperate people get. And the more and more and more the big companies that have drive throughs and online shopping cash in on the misfortune of the little guy. And as far as those hideous apps go, here's the other thing. The more of you that try to do it, the less work there's going to be. That's pretty much simple supply and demand economics. And as time goes on, the less they'll pay you to do it. Those things are a joke. So are you seeing a pattern here? Okay, so for starters, whatever happens with this thing, whatever happens with, with a stimulus bill, whatever, what about the three months from September to now? Because those haven't gone away. All those bills that I talked about, that you, people still owe that stuff. They just do. You can give people, you know, uh, an eviction moratorium, whatever. The landlord's still going to want his back rent. And now you're giving out a hot $300 a week. And even that got cut from 16 weeks to 11 weeks at the last minute. And by the way, the stimulus bill is like 5,000 pages, which I think is common knowledge now. Because, listen, you can't really pass anything that doesn't have money in it for your buddies. And if that money happens to circle back into your own pockets, well, hey, I guess it's just a bonus. Where's the harm in that? That was the plan all along. Drag it out to the last minute, maximize the desperation, and then there would be pressure for people to pass it no matter what. Because if you say no, hey, you're denying people the money they need. That hot $300 a week after, after, after a few months at $600 a week, then six weeks at $300 a week, and then a gap that just doesn't exist apparently of three months. Three months that they're just going to ignore. And they're acting like they're doing you a favor, giving you that $300 a week now. And some of you get the $600 stimulus check, but then you'll, you only if you make... What was it, 75000 or less? You got to make little enough money. I'm not saying 75000 isn't a lot of money. I'm just saying there's people that need money. There's people that took jobs that, that again, maybe they, maybe they were making $150,000 a year. Maybe that's what they made last year, but this year they made like twenty grand. You think they couldn't use a stimulus check or some unemployment? Like if they went to work at some of these crappy apps and they only made X amount of dollars per week, in a lot of states, that's going to that's gonna avoid out any chance you have of getting unemployment. And it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's fucking ridiculous. And they are just pushing and pushing and pushing people, man. I'm telling you. Well, I tell you, you know, one of these lawmakers, and I'm not, I am not encouraging, condoning, any of that kind of stuff. One of these lawmakers is once again going to end up on the wrong side of someone's meltdown. You watch. It just happened a few years ago with, what, Steve Scalise? And the governor of Michigan, they were planning on abducting her. How do you think that was going to go? What do you think was going to happen once they got their hands on her? 
I mean, you, you push people and push people and push people and push enough of them for long enough. I, I'm sorry. I'm not. And again, it, it, it'll be wrong. Don't do this. You'll ruin your life. You might hurt someone else. Don't do it. But if and when it does happen, I'm not going to act shocked. I'm just not. You're just toying with people now for months and months and months. And Trump's not having it, by the way, which I actually don't blame him, even though he's definitely part of the problem because he could have he could have gotten something done months and months ago. I mean, he's, he's the president of the United States. He has certain leverage. He has certain power. He could have done something if he did if he did things a different way. That's now in the, that's now in the past. But man, there's a lot of shit in this thing. Just crazy. Billion dollars for the Smithsonian. What is the Smithsonian? And I'm just I'm not even there's nothing against the Smithsonian. They're trying to get their money. OK, fine. It's wrong, but they're trying to get their they're part of this this big package. What exactly do they claim to need a billion dollars for at the Smithsonian? I'd love to hear the answer to that question. Are they are they are they remaking Jurassic Park with like the actual dinosaurs and everything? What are they doing over there? A billion. So we'll see what happens. Um, Times. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on Time Magazine. Time Magazine released their person of the year. A lot of people on Twitter are arguing about it. You follow me on Twitter at BCAK the man. Follow the show at Air Attack Radio. The time person of the year was Joe Biden and Cam Harris. So what? Don't even worry about that. That's the whole, the whole idea is to get you talking about it. They'll nominate Trump. I think I think they've nominated those wackos from North Korea a couple times. I think in years past, Hitler has won. I think Stalin has won. The whole thing is it's somebody provocative or newsworthy, and then you decide. If you're really trying to honor somebody with this stuff, and, and, and Time Magazine had any legitimacy, it would be nurses. That's what it would be. I mean, in 2020, you got to be kidding me. What they've had to go through this year has been fucking insane. Nurses or, or you know, frontline healthcare workers. I mean, it's obviously. Now, you're going to make it Biden and Harris. Two people who won an election, maybe, but they didn't even campaign. So we're going to give it to them. No problem. If I'm being perfectly honest, I, I don't think I could tell you the last time I've even seen a Time magazine. So the, the idea is you nominate a few people. You know, you get a little bit of attention for it and then you only give it to one person. And then, you know, like they, they nominated Trump and Biden. So people could say that, you know, Trump law, who cares? Honestly, guys, worry about something else. Like people going crazy because Mackenzie Bezos gave away uh, a bunch of money to black colleges and universities. And she's like the greatest person ever. How is she the greatest person ever? Do you have any idea how she made that money? It wasn't because she worked. It was because of who she was married to. Do you have any idea how that guy makes his money? I know, understand he's been very successful. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way he actually treats people and what, go, what goes on with people who work for him. And now because she gives away a tiny percentage of her fortune and makes sure, by the way, that everyone knows about it. She's a hero? Yeah, got it. It, it. She's a hero if you want her to be a hero. Okay, if you have any sense of reality whatsoever, you realize that maybe she's not the nicest person in the world just because her husband cheated on her with the neighbor. Okay? And now here's another story that I found to be... I found it to be disturbing. I also found it to be ridiculous. On a number of different levels. Shia LaBeouf, actor. He's been in the Transformer movies. A bunch of other stuff, too. He's obviously not well in the head. And I'm kind of putting it mildly. He's got an ex-girlfriend that is now suing him for emotional distress. And I think she throws sexual battery in there, which I'm not quite sure what she means by that. I'm, I'm not trying to make a joke about that. I just don't know what she's talking about. Or, you know, if it's is it... I, I think, isn't sexual battery what they got Cuba Gooding Jr. for in the Hamptons because he grabbed the girl's ass? So I'm not sure exactly what she's getting at there. But she's suing him. And we've seen this move before where ex-girlfriends, basically, they just go off on their famous exes. I mean, you saw it with Aziz Ansari. That wasn't even an ex. That's just some chick he went out on a date with. She happened to be a writer and by her own admission, thought she was going to get famous for writing about him. Didn't work out that way. She got, about, you know, she, got her, she got her 15 minutes. That was about it. We saw Chris Hartwick, a guy who used to host a show on Comedy Central, catches his girlfriend cheating and, you know, she decides to write a long rambling essay about him thinking she's going to ruin his life. He comes back and basically says, hey, listen, she's a cheater. Now Shia LaBeouf is getting sued, for, and from what I can tell, it's just for being an asshole. 
And there's another ex-girlfriend in the mix here, too, who is a stylist I've never heard of. Uh, the the, the ex-girlfriend with Shia LaBeouf is a singer. I'm not even going to mention her because I, I hadn't heard of her. She's Twitter verified. She's got about a half a million followers. She apparently is well-known to some, just not to me. But for some reason, she gets another girlfriend in the mix. And now Sia, who's a singer, not the ex-girlfriend, she accuses the guy of luring her into an adulterous affair. I mean, because when you're both in show business, it's tough to know if the other person is already dating somebody, okay? So you say, well, this is ridiculous. Well, it's not that simple. I mean, we throw a sexual battery in there. Obviously, that's going to raise some eyebrows. And again, I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but he actually seems to admit it. He actually admits that he, that he you know, some of the things he's accused of doing here, and, it, and it's crazy. I'm not going to read all the stuff here, but they're driving back to California from Vegas, and he threatens to drive them off the road if she doesn't profess her love for him. Uh, it talks about starting arguments in the wee hours of, of, of the morning or, you know, late at night and then staying up and screaming at her because she likes another actor better than this actor or when they're out to dinner, she's not allowed to make eye contact with waiters. Uh, it's, it's some pretty disturbing shit in here. He comes back and says, hey, listen, I can't tell people how to feel for the way I've made them feel. Mentions he's an alcoholic, says, says he has no excuse. Make sure to mention that he's an alcoholic, though, because, hey, listen, he's got a problem, so you got to feel bad for him. Then he issues a separate statement where he realizes, hey, listen, maybe I shouldn't have said all that, or his lawyers just got to him, more likely, and he backs off the whole thing, but only some of it. He says, look, I didn't do all those things. I only did some of it, and we've kind of seen this before where guys get targeted. You know, they're famous. They have money, but usually getting sued is something you associate with getting married. That's something married people do is they sue each other. You got to get married to sue the other person, and it's a big deterrent. That's why people don't get married. Now you can get sued because your ex-girlfriend thinks you were mean to her? Boy. <laughs> I've, I've made a note of that. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of guys are like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. He's obviously got problems. But here's the thing. She chose to be with him. And I know, I know it's tough to get out of a bad situation. I can say that for myself too. That's true. When you're in a situation, it's much tougher sometimes to see exactly how bad it is until you're out of it. Okay, I've had this talk with guys. I've had guys have this talk with me. Like, hey man, what are you doing? And it's not getting better with this chick. Well, yeah, but you know, you make, you know, whatever it is, you make excuses. You think maybe there's a good person in there, whatever it is. But sometimes when you're in it, you just can't see how bad it is. So I'm not trying to victim blame because I know that's the, the common excuse here. So that's very fair. But if you can sue your ex, and we know the guy is dysfunctional, I get that. That would mean you could target the guy who you know is an asshole. And then if you know he's got money, you could stick around just long enough for him to make a scene in public or, or God forbid, put his hands on you or something like that, which if he does, he, he's wrong. We know that. But you could target a guy, and then guess what? Jackpot. I mean, some of you ladies have been gravitating towards the assholes for free your whole lives. Now you can turn that into a big score. The ex also says she's doing it for all the other women out there. Uh, that's an instant yawn for me. Uh, she does this in a series of tweets that were written by her lawyers. Doesn't want to answer questions. Yeah, okay. Anytime you hear a woman say she's doing it for all the other women... She's doing it for herself. It's complete and utter garbage. The U.S. Women's National Team with their lawsuit, Sarah Fuller, Hillary Clinton, Cam Harris, I could go on for it. No, it's about money, okay? It is about money, fame, attention, and in this case, maybe payback, okay? That's just, just, just how it is with some people. And I don't question that Shia LaBeouf is a nightmare to deal with. I mean, he has been for a while. I think he's, I think he's had problems with bartenders. I think he's been sued a bunch of times before. I, I, I can't see him being a guy who would be enjoyable to date. However... She chose to date him. I mean, so where do we draw the line here? And you're basically going to sue him now for emotional distress? What does that even mean? Can I, wait a second, can I sue my exes for emotional distress? What if a girl does something to me and I'm, I'm just unhappy about it? Can I sue for emotional distress? So as bad as the behavior she describes really is, don't give me this nonsense about how she's doing it for anyone but herself.
Give me a break here. I mean, listen, she describes things that are just that are just crazy. I mean, behind the wheel of a car, you're threatening to drive the two of you off the road. Okay, that's ridiculous. The guy shouldn't be allowed to drive. The guy should probably be thrown to a hospital somewhere if he actually did that. But how many times after that incident did you then get into a car with him? So whose responsibility is that? Everyone else has to deal with that. The courts have to deal with that. Lawyers have to deal with that. Twitter has to deal with that. Come on now. Give me a break. Guy sounds like he needs his ass kicked. But of course, there's there's no money in that. So not to be dismissed here is that she has dated Robert Pattinson. She's also dated one of the guys from the 1975. I've heard of those guys, or at least their work. I've never heard of her. So that is worth mentioning. So some of you guys out there who insist on befriending your exes, and that's I know guys who just refuse not to be friends, and it, and it, it goes both ways there. Some people just keep their exes lingering around for, for many reasons. They actually want to be buddies, or they just like the idea of the attention. You may want to make sure you know what the ex is saying about you. Okay, and this doesn't just happen to famous actors with an insane need for alcohol. Okay, you break up and suddenly you're a monster. Look at Katie Hill. Katie Hill was a congresswoman, got caught cheating with her own staff, by the way. Oh, guess what? My husband's abusive. Oh, really? Now that, now, that, now that you got caught cheating, oh, whoopsie, he's abusive. Just a few months earlier, she was glorifying him on Facebook, talking about how he has been her rock, her best friend, supported her, helped her get elected. Well, guess what? Catch, catch her cheating? Bang, abusive. Chris Hartwick, same thing. Catches his ex-girlfriend cheating. Well, catches his girlfriend cheating. I think they were actually engaged. Catches her cheating. Breaks up with her. Suddenly, he's cruel and he's dangerous. Okay? She writes a long rambling essay about it thinking, hey, I'm a woman and we have to believe all women. I'll get my way. That girl ended up disappearing for about nine months. Just fell right out of the spotlight because people could see it for what it was. Okay? So having the exes around could be complicated enough. And that's all about the situation. I mean, there's a variety of things. I mean, listen... How was it when you were together? Why did it end? How did it end? What happened after it ended? All that kind of stuff. That's up to you. I mean, it's, it's a case-by-case kind of scenario. Having them around, though, can be complicated enough. But if they're bad-mouthing you, forget it. You never, never put up with that. I promise you. You want Someone wants to lie to cover up the awful things they did to you? No. See ya. That should be the way it is. I'll give you a story, okay? I'm not going to say when this happened, but out to dinner, group of people, couples, some single people, you know, whatever. Girl shows up. Someone asks her about her recent trip to Europe. She tells a story about how she gets stranded in Europe. She's there, supposed to go there with a friend, but the friend gets caught back here because they, they got split up on flights. The, fl- the friend is a flight attendant, yada, yada, yada. She is in Europe. She got no place to stay. I think this was an Airbnb nightmare, which does happen <laughs> more, more often than Airbnb is going to tell you. But sometimes you show up to an Airbnb and it's, it's either non-existent or it's, you know, it's just not what it was supposed to be. She's got nowhere to stay. She calls her ex. Her ex has a bunch of points at a major hotel chain. He puts her up in a suite. So she's telling the story, and it sounds like the ex-boyfriend saved the day. Okay, fine. One of the girls in the group goes, wait a minute. You still talk to him? And she gets this look in her face and says, oh, wait a second. What have I said about this guy? And she goes, oh, you know what? Yeah. You know, I just think he's bipolar. <laughs> he apologized for everything. We're friends now. I think he's just bipolar. But he apologized for, like, everything. Now, here's my question. You guys are friends, right? He just bailed you out of a major jam. That sounds like a friend. You're sitting in front of a bunch of people at dinner calling the guy bipolar. Do you really think the guy would have bailed you out of that jam if he knew what you were going to say about him a few weeks later? Are you kidding me? So I'm sorry, but to my point, you better know what the experts are saying about you if you're going to have them around. You're not going to have them around. They can say whatever they want about you. Okay, fine. But you can't go be in someone's buddy, okay, or have, or have a back and forth or have the girl say, oh, yeah, we talk all the time or, or God forbid, be photographed together or anything like that if she's going to go out and rip you behind your back and say things like that. So 
Don't be an alcoholic rage monster like Shia LaBeouf, whether you're dating or not, but also be careful who you date and be careful who you're friends with after you date. Um, college hoops. The college hoop season is actually going, as far as I'm concerned, quite well. There's been a lot of shuffling going around with the schedules. It just, it just a listen. That was just how it was going to be this year. You've got so many programs. One of them, get, you know, test positive and contact tracing, all that kind of stuff. So teams have had to have a lot of movement and scheduling. You also had the California schools have to get creative with where they play because of some of these goofy new rules. Overall, it's been okay though, and because there's so many teams and there and there's so many games, if a few of them get canceled, you don't feel it like you do in the college football schedule. So it's, it's been okay. They've done the best with what they've had to work with. Hopefully with the vaccines coming out, some of these schools will get access to them as time goes on, and we can sort of get back to something that resembles normalcy. But then Coach K goes out and cancels his entire non-conference schedule, and that's his choice. That's his program. He gets to do what he wants with his team. He then questions whether or not they should be playing or not, and that's a major problem. He doesn't have a very good team this year. So do you really think, I mean, honestly, guys, if Zion Williamson was still at Duke, you think Coach K would be talking about scheduling non-conference games? I mean, give me a break. It's the same guy who wanted every single team in the tournament this year. Now he doesn't want non-conference games because it's too much mixing. Well, which one is it? And Nate Oates from Alabama called him out on it, rightfully so, by the way, and then immediately calls the guy up and apologizes. Kind of, It kind of sounds like, unfortunately, some of the stuff in Washington, D.C. Here's someone who's been there long enough. He's older. Maybe he doesn't do things the right way, but you know what? I'm still scared of him. Hey, listen. I mean, it was a ridiculous statement, and it could have put some people in jeopardy. It really could have. I'm not just talking about money either. You're talking about people's livelihoods, possible you know careers that are on the line in terms of guys wanting to go play professionally. So that's a bad move by Coach K. It's over. It kind of blew over. Overall, I think they've done a nice job. And overall, I think the College Hoops has provided a lot of entertainment and, and basically a morale boost to people. It is wintertime. People are, whether you agree with it or not, people are staying home more because they're able to work from home or because in certain areas, unfortunately, they're supposed to stay home. The college hoops has been great. And I'm not saying these kids should be sacrificial lambs to entertain us during this pandemic. I'm not saying that. But it's been great to have it around. They put some games a little earlier on so you can watch them during the day. It's actually been quite good. You know, Gonzaga to me right now is on a different level than everyone else. I've not seen Baylor yet because Baylor had to cancel a bunch of games. So Baylor hasn't played very much. But Gonzaga right now, they played Iowa on Saturday. I was, I was on Gonzaga in that game. Uh, as I said on Twitter, and again, follow me on Twitter, BC, a.k.a. The Man. Iowa is a very good college basketball team. Gonzaga is an elite one. But we'll see how the season plays out. you got a long way to go. Obviously, you know, health is a major factor in, in, in all senses. The guys could get injured or, God forbid, you could have an issue with COVID. So we'll just see how it plays out. But right now, college hoops is on the right track, uh, as far as I'm concerned. College football, of course, continues to be a hotbed of controversy and what I, what I think has been a disaster of a season. I'm not saying that they never should have played college football this year. I'm just saying that the Big Ten and the Pac-12, especially the Big Ten, with the way they wanted to take a different stance than everyone else early on, really kind of made this thing into a mess where they couldn't recover and get enough games played. I mean, every conference had to, had to, had to cancel some games. But the Big Ten and the Pac-12 backed themselves into a corner where they had no room to shuffle the schedule around. The college basketball schedule is getting shuffled around because there's a ton of games and because it's so early. And if you don't play for a week or two, hey, so what? But they started it on time, and they started earlier and earlier every year to begin with. You can't start a college football season in late October in a year where you may have to cancel games and think you're going anywhere. You're just not. And some of these, some of these schools are having a hard enough time dealing with the conditions, dealing with the COVID protocols, keeping the kids under control. I mean, let's face it, without getting into politics here, if they really cared about slowing the spread or about, you know, making this thing go away or crushing the virus, college kids wouldn't be on campus right now. Athletes are not. 
That's just common sense. If I have to explain that to you, then you're just committed to, to basically denial. That's just what it is. So if they really, really cared about this, they wouldn't have kids mixing on campus. Why? Because college kids are irresponsible by nature. They tend to be filthy. I've talked about this before. They're not the cleanest people in the world. They live in cramped quarters. They just don't use good judgment. It's just how it is. And so now you've got college football rosters with all these kids. You're trying to keep them under control. And it was, it was, you know, it was going okay at first. And it got more and more difficult. Okay, right. If you notice, right after Halloween is when things really got bad. And Halloween was the Saturday before something else. And that was Election Day. And that was a big thing this year. Let's give all the kids Election Day off. Great. Wonderful. So they can do what? Go out in public and vote? And all of a sudden, kids are testing positive for COVID. So to me, the thing has been a disaster. And you were always going to have this problem at the end of the year with what if Ohio State goes 5-0, and 6-0, and 7-0, and and another school goes 10-1. and and that's exactly what you have going on here. Ohio State's in the playoff. Cincinnati's not in the playoff, who probably has just as good of a resume. Texas A&M, whose only loss is to Alabama. They're on the outside looking in. Jimbo's unhappy about that. They're all unhappy about it, and that's just how it is. And as I said weeks ago, it was set up for Notre Dame to make it. Once Notre Dame beat Clemson, backup quarterback or not, they were going to get in. The only way Notre Dame wasn't going to get in, if you look back on it now, was if they lost to North Carolina. That was it. And they got past North Carolina. Now, North Carolina is a decent, you know, a decent college football team. And, and Notre Dame was able to beat them. That was it. Because they got stomped by Clemson the other day. They were not even competitive. And they're not going to be competitive against Alabama either. They're just not going to be. And would Texas A&M be able to give Alabama a better game than they gave them the first time? Yeah, probably. Like, but they'll give them a better game than Notre Dame's going to give them. How would Cincinnati match up against them? I don't know. I won't get to see it because Cincinnati's playing Georgia in a different game. So the whole thing to me was a mess. And now, is this the year they talk about expansion? Maybe. Maybe. But I, I, I just, you know, to me, this, this whole season was setting up for there to be a problem at the end, like it always does. And, and, and as, I, as I said before, I think I said it in the last show that I did, this will be the year that possibly serves as a catalyst to expanding the playoffs because you've got all of this controversy and all this different criteria that goes into who you pick this year, number one. But number two, and it's a big number two, it really is a number one, the schools have lost a ton of money. I wouldn't rule them out at least exploring the idea of adding two or four teams to that playoff. Because you have to add, if you add two teams, you might as well add four because you have to add another, another week either way. So you could, you could toy with the idea of giving a bye to the first two teams and say that, you know, that top six means, makes all the difference in the world. Hey, we'll, see, we'll just see how it plays out. It's becoming tough for them to even get some of these bowl games played now because so many kids are opting out. And I don't just mean for the NFL draft. Not all these kids are, are playing in the NFL draft. I mean, if you think that the, the players from Tulane and Nevada and the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, which they played yesterday. You think there's a lot of NFL prospects in that game? Eh, maybe a couple, but come on. But the, the bigger issue is that these kids have sacrificed the entire year. So it's kind of like, which, you know, it's, it's sort of like pick your poison. You've sacrificed all year. You've been isolated from your family, maybe even your girlfriend, which, let's face it, is a big deal. Okay, you've had to basically give up a lot of college life or a lot of life in general. Do you want to sacrifice more time in exchange for a trip somewhere warm? which obviously Boise doesn't count with the, with the potato bowl. I don't know if they're doing the one in Detroit this year. Some of these bowl games, I think anywhere in cold weather, that bowl game should just be done. Like the pinstripe bowl at Yankee Stadium isn't happening this year. That's a good idea. Never mind the fact that it's in New York and that's its own disaster. So some of these bowl games really have no business being played. But then you have a school like Army, and Army was on the outside looking in. Two losses, and they've had this great year. No bowl game for Army because there wasn't enough to go around until West Virginia steps up, and now they're going to play, I think, in the Liberty Bowl. So the kids from Army get a trip to Memphis. And I'm not... I'm not belittling what they do at West Point, but let's face it, the, the, the guys that play at West Point 
live a pretty regimented lifestyle to begin with. They should get a bowl game. They were there all year playing. They, I mean, they never, they never thought about not playing. They, they, they went out and played whoever they could. They went, they played out the road at Cincinnati. That's one of their two losses. They also lost to Tulane. Okay, Tulane's not a bad team. Tulane's okay, actually. Tulane's better than you think if you haven't watched college football this year. But they went out there and they played whoever would play them. I think they went 10-2. and two. They were actually ranked at one point. They deserve to go to a bowl if they want to go to a bowl. And I, I guarantee you a trip to Memphis is better than life at West Point. <laughs> and West Point's a beautiful place. I got, I got to go there a couple years ago. I, I actually met one of their athletic directors over the summer this year. It's a great place up there, and I'll be there again. I absolutely will. But those kids live a very strict lifestyle up there. And you're going to deny them a bowl game? After they were one of the programs that made it from start to finish all year? you got to be kidding me. It's a good job at West Virginia giving them a bowl game. Some, some of these other bowl games are going to be tough to, to pull off because obviously the kids have just lost interest. They can say COVID concerns, but they've lost interest. Just like they had to cancel the Georgia-Vanderbilt game that was going to be played last Saturday. Vanderbilt couldn't put a team together. Now, is that really COVID concerns or is that people just tiring of the whole this whole farce with Sarah Fuller and saying, listen, we're not going to win. We're going to get trounced. We're not showing up for the game. By the way, she had two extra points. Congratulations. It, it, excellent. Well done. Good for her. No, serious. Well, well done. Good for her. She had two extra points. There was also a kicker on the roster that made a 39-yard field goal. An extra point is a 19-yard field goal in terms of distance. So if the kid can make from 39, he can make from 19. There's no reason for her to be on the field other than to be a novelty act. Exactly. Just like I said a few weeks ago, once again, I win. So the college football season has been an absolute grind. You hope at this point now that the, the semifinals and the obviously the championship game are able to be played on schedule without any kind of hitch. By the way, they moved the Rose Bowl for the first time, I think, ever. Maybe it, maybe it happened, you know, 100 years ago. But the Rose Bowl is moving from California to Texas. A very subtle way of saying to Gavin Newsom, we've had it with your shit. You're not holding a gun to our head, and you're certainly not going to ruin our college football playoff. Good move by them. There's been enough uncertainty and enough chaos in the world of sports and just the world in general. Good move by the Rose Bowl, making sure it's not going to happen and moving it to Jerry Jones' stadium down in Dallas. Excellent, excellent move. NFL stuff. Um, first of all, the Dwayne Haskins stuff. Dwayne Haskins is going to end up getting his ass cut. That's basically what ha what's going to happen. He ends up going to a strip club on Sunday. No mask. Strippers there. Hey, listen, whatever you think of the restrictions with COVID and the rules and everything like that, you have rules. There are rules. And in the NFL, there are very serious rules. You're not supposed to be out pretty much anywhere. Obviously, a strip club will be at the top of the list because it's strippers and money, and both are quite dirty. Dwayne Haskins gets himself photographed. It's on, it's on all over social media. He apologizes. I think they're going to let him go through this playoff run and probably get rid of him. And here's a kid who was shaking his head on draft day because the Giants took Daniel Jones over him. Now you know why. Because these teams do their due diligence on these players. It's a little bit invasive, but you're investing a lot of money into somebody who may actually get hurt. Look at Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley has, has been in hurt all the time. Odell Beckham, another guy. So the Giants have had problems with guys they've drafted near the top getting hurt. It's bad enough when you're getting hurt. You can't also have a guy be a, a liability outside of the practice facility or outside of the stadium. If Alex Smith weren't hurt right now, there's a good chance I think they would cut him. There's also, I'm not going to get into the whole Dan Snyder thing. There's a Dan Snyder story every month. If it's not obvious, it's Roger Goodell and some other owners trying to push Dan Snyder out. Every single month, there's another bombshell story about something that happened within the Washington football organization. Okay, it started this year with everybody going after the team nickname again, which has been an ongoing thing for years, but they went crazy this year trying to play off some of the other racial stuff that's been 
monetized, for lack of a better word, across the country. So they're going to target the Redskins. He says, fine, I'll change the name. They didn't think he was going to. Now it's all of these different stories that pop out on a very sort of consistent and metered basis. They're going after him the way, quite frankly, I've watched him go after Trump for the last few years. Whether you like Trump or not, it's irrelevant. Okay, where they would just have a story, the story dies down, new story. The stories never happen at the same time. The stories happen in a very measured, metered sort of manner. And that, to me, is a little bit suspicious. It's a little weird. I'm not defending Dan Snyder. I know people that have met him, okay, that have told me what an asshole he is. I don't dispute that. I also have enough common sense to realize that the kind of stuff that's described that's gone on within the Redskins organization over the years has no doubt happened in other organizations around the NFL. You just haven't heard about it. Whether it's true or not, that's not, that's not my point. But listening to e you see ESPN leading with this stuff like it's breaking news. You've got playoffs coming in a couple weeks, and you're leading with Dan Snyder? Give me a fucking... And they're on their way to the playoffs, most likely. So to me, the whole thing is a campaign against the guy. They don't want him in the NFL anymore. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think they have any legal grounds to make him sell the team. Maybe they can take some kind of vote. I don't know exactly how it works in the NFL, but they're clearly going after the guy. And that, again, that's not to say he's a good guy, but they are clearly campaigning against him. And quite frankly, I, I, as a fan, it's gotten old. He has a team right now. I, I don't want to hear about this stuff. I want to hear about football. You know, if he's doing something that's that bad, it just like just like I talked about earlier with ex-girlfriends or anybody else, take it up with the cops. Take it up with lawyers. But I mean, the NFL is clearly, I mean, if, if you can't figure this out, I'm sorry, but the NFL is clearly making a move against this guy. And it's painful to watch. It really is. I mean, it's, it's like you're trying to basically aggravate the shit out of the fans to the point where they don't want to hear about it anymore, so you just get rid of them. Um, as far as last week's games, I'm not going to go game by game this week. We're uh, running a little bit low on time. Um, the Bills clinching is a big deal. That is a For that area and those people, it's Buffalo. So you think about all the professional sports franchises in Buffalo, you're basically looking at it. It's the Bills. I know you got the Sabres up there too, but they haven't been very good for, for a long, long time. 11-3, they're going to win the division. The Patriots are also knocked out. That's a big deal. I would expect the Bills, because they're still trying to play for a number two seed, and Sean McDermott said they pretty much want to win every game. I would look at the Bills as a teaser leg this week. They're seven-point favorites. You can tease that down to one point against the Patriots. I have to think in week 16 they're not going to take their foot off the gas. Maybe a little bit in week 17, but not in week 16. And you got to think they want to stick it to the Patriots. The Patriots are not very good. Um, they get knocked out with a loss down to Miami. And Miami's a little beat up too. Miami's, Miami's just a different kind of team. you got basically a little yin and yang there. You got Brian Flores, who used to be a Bill, Bill Belichick guy, okay, coaching the Dolphins. Bill Belichick gets knocked out by his former protege. You know, you got the young quarterback in Tua. You got the struggling quarterback who's a veteran in Cam Newton. So you had that little story down there in Miami. Dolphins are 9-5, and five, and there's a good chance they win against the Raiders this week. I mean, the Raiders don't sleep on Marcus Mariota, by the way. Derek Carr, who I think is, they want to say he's having one of his best years ever. He's got good numbers. As, on a fantasy level, he's having a great year. If you watch the games... It makes a, some very questionable decisions. The way Dwayne Haskins makes bad decisions off the field, Derek Carr does that in the pocket. Okay, and if you watch that Jets game, and I was on them as a teaser leg in that game, I mean, yeah, he had the dramatic throw late in the game, and Greg Williams gets fired because of it, only because he missed Nelson Aguilar four times on wide-open touchdown passes. Four times. So he's had a shaky year to begin with. He gets hurt. Marcus Mariota comes in and gets a passer rating of like, or a QBR of like 98, which is borderline perfect. They still lose to the Chargers. That's fine. They're pretty much out of the playoffs now, but they could beat the Dolphins this week. That's a, that's If you notice, when you get into December with these younger teams and young quarterbacks, things get a little tense. It's just a little bit different. Giants lose to the Browns on Sunday Night Football 20-6. to Joe Judge took a lot of heat for some of his decisions on fourth down here. I don't blame him. I blame the Giants for not executing. I, I really can't question the job this guy has done with what he's had to work with and the injuries and really, quite frankly, just some of the talent on the Giants. I think Joe Judge has done a good job. 
He was aggressive thinking that, you know, he doesn't want to settle for field goals against a team like the Browns, which is pretty much humming offensively. They did hold the Browns to 20 points, too. So that wasn't the worst the worst performance in the world by the Giants. Um, but give Joe Judge a break. I mean, what, what, what he's done with what he's had to work with has been pretty impressive. The Buccaneers come back from a 17 to nothing halftime deficit against the Falcons. The Falcons are shot. I'm sorry. They're going to go to Kansas City this weekend. I'd have to think between the fact that Matt Ryan doesn't play well outdoors, between the fact that they just, he's been shaky, and I mean, I'm being kind when I say that. His wide receivers are always hurt. Now they got to go play the Chiefs in Kansas City. I, after that comeback that they allowed, 31 to 10, the Bucs outscored the Falcons in the second half. You could see it coming after a couple touchdowns. Brady was basically just picking them apart. The Falcons simply stopped scoring. They could not run the football. They averaged, if you take away one scramble by Matt Ryan, they averaged less than two yards a rush. And there's something wrong with the Falcons this year. The Bucs actually still have a chance to win the division because the Saints lost to the Chiefs. And if you watch that game, Drew Brees comes back. I thought Drew Brees was on the verge of getting pulled from this game because he was so bad early on. I mean, his feet, I just had, there's happy feet and then there's hysterical feet. He had hysterical feet. I mean, he could not, he could not settle down to save his life in the pocket there. And I really think if that game had gone from 14-0 to 17-0 or even 21-0, I think Taysom Hill would have been the quarterback. The problem, though, is that Michael Thomas wasn't playing. The Saints were low on, quarter, on, on receivers to begin with. I think Traquan Smith got hurt during the game, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. They were having a hard time getting the ball to wide receivers to begin with, and Taysom Hill serves as a receiver when Drew Brees is playing quarterback, and, and especially when they're depleted there. So not an easy situation for the Saints. I would expect now the Saints have a game on Christmas Day against Minnesota. Kirk Cousins has basically been used as a pinata for the last three or four weeks. His offensive line has been non-existent. He's got plenty of talent on offense in that team. doesn't matter if your quarterback is getting hit a dozen times a game, which is, which is not far from the truth over the last few weeks. The Saints, I think, will get to him early and get to him often. And I got to think that you know, an offensive line at Minnesota that's not playing well isn't going to play any better on short rest and then having to travel on Christmas Day. That's obviously got to be a distraction. The Saints also have had this game circled since last year's playoffs. They're getting tired of getting knocked out of the playoffs by the Vikings. And last year, the Vikings had their number in the first half. They were all over Drew Brees. The problem is, those guys aren't there anymore. Anthony Barr hasn't played all season. Daniel Hunter hasn't played all year. So those guys aren't there on the roster. And a couple other guys, too. Xavier Rhodes is now on the Colts. Their defense is not nearly as good as it was last year. I think Drew Brees will be a little better his second game back. I'm already on the Saints as a teaser leg. I had them with Seattle. Uh, on Sunday, they obviously won at Washington, which uh, which I think everyone knew they were going to do. So I would look very seriously at the Saints as a teaser leg. I'm not sure I'd lay the whole seven, but I you know minus one as a teaser leg I think is is very attractive, and I'm and I'm already on it too. So uh, just to give you a heads up there, the Jets winning at the Rams. I don't know who this who this loss was worse for. The Rams are probably going to make the playoffs, but if you have a chance to win your division and not have to travel in this day and age, see the NFL this year when you go on the road, you can't go anywhere. You look what's happened to the 49ers. Since they went to Arizona, they've got all kinds of COVID restrictions. It's impossible. And I don't think they've won a game since they've had to make that move because they basically got tossed out of Santa Clara. So that so you want to win your division. You want to you want to host playoff games, whether there's going to be opposing fans or not. You want the comforts of being in your home as opposed to being stuck in a hotel room. Do I really have to explain that? They lose to the Jets. Now the Jets fans are going nuts because now they might not get Trevor Lawrence. Who knows? You still got two more games. As I said on the last show, crazy things happen in college football in November. Crazier things happen in the NFL in December. These are still professional players, but the Rams, I mean, you had not just the Jets coming into your home field here, but the Rams had just played on Thursday the week before, so they had an extra three, four days of rest. That is a big, big deal, especially late in the season. But hey, you don't show up, they do. That's how it goes. One turnover. The Jets didn't turn the ball over the, the whole game. The Rams had one interception from Jared Goff. That, that, was, that was a significant one, and they lose. And I mean, it's not like I was going to go lay the 17 or 18 points with the Rams. I would never do that. 
but my God, you're losing. How many guys added the Rams to their parlays thinking the parlay would pay an extra 10% just to have that happen? Oh, what a joke. What an absolute joke. And then finally, the Steelers, 11-0 to 11-3. Now, if you want to say that they got screwed by the NFL with the schedule here, they totally did. Now, if we're going to talk about schedule, though, let's look at their early season schedule here. You guys are all talking about how great they are and can they go 16-0. They played the Giants in week one, which, I mean, the Giants are the Giants to begin with, but in week one, they were a complete disaster. You played the Broncos, the Texans, home against the Eagles, who have no offensive line, home against the Browns, who at that time were not playing nearly as well. You went into Tennessee and won that game. Okay, I'll give you credit there. Okay, you went into Baltimore and won that game. Both of those wins were turnover-related. You went into Dallas, and you barely squeaked by them with Garrett Gilbert as the quarterback. Then home against the Bengals at Jacksonville. Home again against the Ravens, but remember, that's when they had the COVID outbreaks. They basically, you basically beat half the Ravens. Then you lose at home to Washington on that short rest where you have a legitimate gripe. Then they went into Buffalo, and if you watch that game against the Bills, they really, I mean, honestly, they were manhandled in that game at 26-15, to 15, and they, it wasn't even that close. It really wasn't. And then they went into a Monday Night Football at Cincinnati. Now listen, I know that the Bengals aren't having a big year, but you're going to go in there and lose to Ryan Finley? Are you absolutely kidding me? I mean, there was an intensity from the, the Bengals there that the Steelers just couldn't match. And Roethlisberger, who, he does not get sacked a lot, but the reason it doesn't get sacked a lot is it's by design. Because the offensive line is just not that good on Pittsburgh. He gets rid of the ball quickly. Cincinnati was all over that. And Cincinnati was all over him all game. That offense is terrible. So now you're talking about having the number one seed in a buy in the playoffs. There's a good chance they lose to the Colts this weekend. As a matter of fact, they're underdogs at home. They went from being two, two and a half, one and a half point favorites to now one and a half point underdogs. And I, I know this because I was, I was looking very hard at the Colts as a teaser leg. Okay, you take the one and a half or two and you tweak it up to seven and a half or eight. You're onto something there. I can't do that now that they're the one and a half point favorites. What am I going to do? Make them four and a half point underdogs? That makes no sense. Okay, there's, there's no value in doing that. And there's a very good chance based on why they're playing, the way they're playing, that they're going to lose. It's not like I don't know why the line moved that much. And normally you say, wait a second, the line shouldn't move that much, three or four points based on one performance. This isn't one performance. This is now three lifeless performances in a row. And it's not like they were impressive in that midweek game against the Ravens either. Going up against RG3 of all people. If Lamar Jackson had played that game, they would have lost that too. And there's a good chance they lose this, this next game of the Colts and the one to finish up at Cleveland. They could go from 11-0 to 11-5. So, you know what? Sometimes record, sometimes people take record way too seriously in the NFL. And the Steelers, look, had a soft schedule. They were playing well, but they had a very soft schedule, won a couple tough games, and they just got puffed up in people's minds to basically an unrealistic level. And they will be a playoff team. However, if they lose to the Colts this week, they would then play the Browns basically for the division title. And I think if they lose to the Colts, they lose to the Browns. That's how it's going to go. If they beat the Colts, they clinch. They still lose to the Browns because they're going to rest everybody because they will, will have then clinched a home game and clinched the division. And that's just how it goes. So it's very, very interesting just the way the tide has turned for the Steelers. But hey, it's 16 games. It happens. It's the NFL. And, and that's just the way it is. And that is all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack and follow me on Twitter and on SoundCloud at BC, a.k.a. The Man. Also, follow the show on Twitter at Air Attack Radio. And remember, The Air Attack with BC, The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Going to close it out tonight with the same guy that opens every Air Attack. Here is Lace with Double Park It. I am BC, The Man. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll see you next time on The Air Attack.
check it up like let me mark it feeling on herself yeah the remy martin got a feeling good baby let me start it let me get this started by saying you the finest thing up in here baby girl <laughs> yeah i'm talking to you hey 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 girl what's your name what it is i'm this real five i'ma tell you what's the biz you ain't never met a player like this diamonds on the neck diamonds on the wrist i'm lit you lit together we'll shine baby peep this you so fly my weakness looking like candy sweetness yeah and that ain't no lie you caught my eye as soon as you walk by with that pretty ass face and them sexy ass thighs ass so fat got me saying oh my let me add some spice in your life let's ride you can be my wife for the night let's roll let's go for show you know we can keep it on the low Yeah, I told you, baby girl, all you gotta do is ride with me, vibe with me, and I can change your life, you heard me? <laughs> so come on, let's ride. Ride with me, vibe with me, get high with me. Slide through the 305, yeah, my city. So litty, so pretty, yet so gritty. You like it, you love it, you so witty. And you know I like that. Messing with me, we'll put you on the right track. After I hit it, have you coming right back? I'll eat you up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You a snack, straight facts. Yeah, yeah. Feeling on herself, yeah, the Remy Martin. Got a feeling good, baby, let me start it.